0: You're listening to the Westside Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Morning, everyone. If you're visiting for the first time, you're tuning in. Welcome to the Westside Church. We're so glad that you can join us. My name is Kenny Izuchuku, and I serve as a minister here in i'm so glad it's 2021 can we just give a shout of praise in your living rooms or if you're in your bedroom or wherever i just yell say something just shout it's just so good that we're finally in 2021 happy new year west side brothers and sisters i am looking forward to seeing you guys soon um man 2020 has been an insane year And here's just a few significant events that really stuck out to me. In January of last year, we know Kobe Bryant, one of our beloved Los Angeles basketball players, and his daughter Gina, along with seven other passengers, were killed during a helicopter crash. Remember that? That was a year ago, January 26th, I believe. And then just a few months later, in March, we had the COVID-19 pandemic, which blew up and... Oh, gosh, it just led to, in a state of emergency, a closure of schools and lockdowns in all states throughout the world. And then just a few months after that, we had the killing of George Floyd. And it sparked a heightened awareness and increased tension of racial and social injustices at the expense of particularly black Americans. And you fast forward just a few months ago, we had the presidential election. And there are 160 million Americans who voted. It's the highest voter turnout in over 100 years. 2020 was crazy. And I don't know about you, but this has been one of the most tumultuous years in my life. And I've been forced to go to God in ways I've never had to before, which has been really good, but also very uncomfortable. But luckily... It's 2021. It's 2021. Let's just shout again. Let's go. We are starting the new year and we know that God is a God of new beginnings. And each year, it just feels like we can press that reset button. And no, it doesn't erase our past. We're still in a pandemic. And no, it doesn't guarantee that things are going to go our way in the future, but it reminds us that we can just take a deep breath. a deep breath and know that we can start anew. Coming into this year, 2021, I want to share a few thoughts with you. A few thoughts that I've been able to glean from my times with God. And I've been reading in the book of 1 Samuel, which we're going to dive in today. And it's been such a great time to really connect to the Word of God through the Old Testament, um, through the Tanakh. And I think many times it's easy to kind of gloss over this stuff, but I want us to dive deep in here. And I won't have enough time to get through it all, but I'm going to do my best to give you a little snapshot of this incredible book. And the title of my lesson today is Moving Forward. Moving forward. And I love that concept because it's not static, it's dynamic. It's We're in this present world, we're acknowledging stuff from the past, but we're also bringing it in a way that we can advance, we can move forward. And here's a picture of me staring over Florence, Italy, and I was trying to figure out at this time, what am I going to do with my life? I was doing mission work in England, in Birmingham, England at the time. And things were rough there, and I won't get into all the details. If you want to know, just ask me and I will tell you later. But it was a hard, hard time. Very difficult. And I was trying to figure out in life, like, what do I need to do? So I take this trip to Florence, and I'm there just staring and just trying to figure out, what am I doing? I was there for hours with my friend. And he took that picture of me. And I can tend to dwell in the past. That's my nature. I can replay things over and over again in my head. Things that will never change. But I remember sitting there and just praying to God, asking Him, can you please show me? What do I need to do to move forward? And it made me think about our lives in America and the U.S. and what we've gone through this past year. And I think for some of us, It's easy now that we're in 2021. Our bodies can be here. Our bodies can be in 2021, but our mentality is still stuck in 2020. And it's kind of like taking off in a plane. And you're going, and you're going, and you're trying to get to a destination, but you hit some turbulence. So then you start to circle. And you just stay in this holding pattern. You go around and around with your thoughts. And maybe it's insecurities Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's bitterness and you're going around and you're around and you're around and you're refusing to land. But we know that at some point that plane runs out of gas. So what can we do in 2021 so that we don't crash our faith? I've got three quick thoughts for you in the book of 1 Samuel that I think can help And if you can take these three thoughts, you can call it whatever you want. Call it your New Year's resolution. Call it recommendations for further consideration. If you think a New Year's resolution is too intense at this point, I get it. I understand. Most Americans fail at it. But I want you to listen to these three quick thoughts. Number one, here on the slide, pursue godly people. Number two, love your enemy. And number three, speak up. Number one, pursue godly people. Number two, love your enemy. Number three, speak up. If you have your Bibles, whip it out. If you have your phones, whip them out. We're going to turn over to 1 Samuel 24. And we're going to read the Word of God this morning. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men, from all Israel, and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy in to your hands for you. To deal with as you wish, then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Some of you are like, "What is going on here?" And let me give you a little context before we dive deep into that text. But Saul at this time is the king of Israel, and he's on this and like he's like a renegade to kill David. And many of us know David as that shepherd boy, right? the one that slayed Goliath. That was David. Also, he was known as the greatest king of Israel. And in order to stay on the throne, Saul was trying to destroy him. Because a prophet named Samuel, which is, the book was written after him, right? The prophet Samuel, he spoke directly to God. And Samuel was in charge of managing the spiritual affairs of the nation. He was he was that old school evangelist or minister or pastor, and his job was to stay in good connection with God and to help the people of Israel follow him. But he also would guide the kings and he would anoint them because God would tell him, this is the king I want to lead the nation of Israel. So Samuel had anointed David while Saul was still king. So David was supposed to be the king and Saul didn't like that. But the reason that Samuel did this is because Saul failed to follow God in some major decisions. And he started following his own ideas and what he thought was, he thought was right. So even though David should have been on the throne, we see him here fleeing for his life, bouncing from cave to cave and village and village, and Saul is here trying to pursue him. That's why it says when he was told David is in the desert of, of, of Engedi, he leaves to go there because he knows that if he could just take David out, he can hold on to the power. He can hold on to the throne. And David, this is important here, David is going through probably the hardest time of his life. Now remember, shepherd boy to becoming king, there's an in-between stage. <laughs> in between states that was extremely difficult so he's going through it as Saul pursues him unjustly you could think of this time as David's 2020 and to make matters even more complicated he was faithful to God as we see in this verse because Saul was relieving himself and we know what that means right but uh, it's the actual translation, relieve himself, is cover his feet, if you read in the Hebrew. So when we think of relieving ourselves, we mean maybe someone going to the side of the road and zipping their pants and peeing, right? But no, no, no. Saul put down his garments and he was crouching. He covered his feet with what? His garments. And he was likely crouching in the corner of the cave, so he was in a very vulnerable position. And David's men and David were in that same cave. How did that happen? I don't know, but they were there. And they, could, they noticed Saul, maybe because of the smell or something, I don't know. They noticed that. And his men started hyping you up, saying, Look, you can take him out right now. And they even brought God into the equation. And they said, The Lord said to you, I will give your enemy into your hand, essentially telling David what he wanted to hear. He was having a rough year, and the man that was trying to take his life, he now had in the palm of his hands. But we learn and we see that that's not what David chose, right? He crept up and he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He could have destroyed. He could have killed him he decided not to and my point here a quick point is that we have to pursue godly people and uh, just so you know these men that were advising David in 1 Samuel verse 22 this is what they say about these men all those who were in distress or in debt or discontent gathered around him and he became their Commander. About 400 men were with him. So these men were distressed. They were in debt and they were discontent. They were from the nation of Israel and they were just sick of it. And they're telling David, take out the guy that's leading this thing. You see? Take out the guy that's trying to kill you. It's what David wanted to hear. It's what they wanted to hear. But David knew that's not what God wanted. And my simple point here is that oftentimes we can surround ourselves with people who just tell us what we want to hear. And they'll even bring God into it. They'll say, didn't God say this to you one time? Didn't you have that arbitrary prayer where you kind of felt something sort of so that now you can do whatever you want? But in reality, their hearts aren't to help you get closer to God. But in order to move forward, we must put people in our lives that will help us know God, do what he says, especially when it's uncomfortable, and push against the easy decision to choose the righteous decision. We've got to pursue godly people and i know it gets annoying I know it gets frustrating you you text them they're busy all the time you're like oh no they didn't respond to my text text them again you got to persevere if you if you want to learn something that you need to hear you got to persevere if it's something that you need to hear you've got to persevere and oftentimes, it doesn't come with our echo chambers of people that we surround ourselves with. It comes with that person, or maybe that group of people. that You're like, oh, if I talk to them, I know they're going to say something. David didn't have that. And he still choose, chose to do what's right. But oftentimes, that doesn't work. We need to pursue godly people. Let's keep reading. First Samuel 24, 24-24. Verse 5 says this, Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Wow. Incredible heart. You know what I saw in 2020? I saw lots of Christians (laughs) in the L.A. church and in the greater church as well treat other brothers and sisters in Christ as enemies. Was I the only one that saw that? <laughs> Did you see it too? You know what else I saw? I saw social media become... It's been, it's been becoming, but it was even more apparent this past year, become the means by which Christians base their doctrine on more than the Word of God. And all that messaging, implicitly or explicitly said... Hate your enemy. Do you. Don't let anyone bring you down. Hate the other side. And it polarizes people so far. So let's think through this for a sec. You've got a combination of people surrounding themselves with those that aren't really bringing them closer to God, which may or may not be you. I'm not calling you. I'm just saying it's possible. I know I've had that in my life before. Coupled with messaging that's constantly telling us to hate the other side, to hate our enemies. That leads to the perfect storm, right? It leads to the gospel being destroyed. 2020 was not just a health pandemic. It was a heart (laughs) pandemic. And I love what our beloved brother, Dr. Charles Bray, once said during one of our Kingdom Inclusion Team meetings, he said this, You think COVID is bad? Hatred is worse. You know why? It consumes you. It destroys us in ways that no physical ailment can. And David, at this moment here where he was conscience-stricken. He felt guilty for cutting off a piece of Saul's robe. His heart was soft. And he even said to his men, the Lord forbid me. He forbid me that I should do such a thing. And he references Saul as his master, the Lord's anointed. He was totally justified if he wanted to kill Saul. Because Saul was trying to kill him. He has a pretty good legal case of self-defense if you were to ask me. But no, David saw an armed resistance against the king of Israel as an act of rebellion towards God. He saw the events of his life as tough as they were from the Lord's perspective rather than from that of the world. How do we love our enemies? We can't just talk the talk. We've got to seriously learn what it means to love God. That is the only way we can do this. David loved his enemy. Whether you're a Christian or not, I want to call you, love those who don't think like you, who don't agree with you, who don't believe everything that you believe. It's not easy and it's not comfortable. But it will help you move forward in your faith. And you'll love people in a way that you've never been able to experience before. Okay. Last thought. Speak up. Let's keep reading. 1 Samuel 24, verse 8. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king, When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay a hand, lay my hand on my lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you're hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, From evildoers come evil, so my hand will not touch. Touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. Beautiful. Wow. David does something incredible here. He calls out Saul. The guy trying to kill him. The guy in power. But he does it in a way that shows respect. Calling him the Lord's anointed. He does it in a way that shows humility. When he says... May He consider, may God consider my cause and uphold it. May He vindicate me by delivering me from the hands. From your hand. He trusts in God. But He speaks up. He spoke up. He said something. He wasn't silent, just hoping for things just to work out perfectly. He said something and Here's a phrase I feel like is, believing, is uh, killing American Christianity, particularly with millennials and Gen Zers. And it's a phrase that I hear often. It's a phrase I've heard for years. And it's a phrase that irks me now because it, on the surface, it actually does make sense, but I don't think it's really communicated in a healthy way. So what is said is this. I don't want to impose my beliefs on someone else. That is what it said. That is the phrase that I feel like is killing American Christianity, particularly the youth. I don't want to impose my beliefs on someone else. But here's what I think is meant often. Now, obviously, I do not agree with us pushing ourselves to a point where people feel so pressure so pressured that they're going to start believing in what we believe simply because of that pressure that we're applying on them. I don't think we should be putting a gun to anyone's head and saying, believe in Christ. That is wrong. But in American culture, where ideas are free-flowing, here's what I think is meant by this phase more often than not. And I've heard so many Christians say this. But here's what I think is meant. I will not speak up about God if it could risk offending anyone. I will not speak up about God if it could risk offending anyone. So you hear this seemingly right statement, don't impose my beliefs. Yes, I agree, but what it leads to is so many young people who are silent about God. Who aren't saying anything about him. They're not even sharing that they believe in him. Our culture is taking out our youth. Millennials, Gen Zers, let me be very clear. You need to speak up about your faith you've got to be confident about who God is because what I hear when I hear that statement now is I'm not going to say anything because I fear that someone might feel bad someone might disagree someone might feel hurt so we're silent and the only times that we talk about real things with people are in the small groups of other Christians who already know the truth. We're called to go proclaim the Gospel. And we can't do that if we're afraid to speak up to people that don't know God, the people that disagree with us, the people that don't even know what to believe. We have to be faithful. We need to take a lesson from David, who had all the right reasons not to say anything all the right fear, insecurity. He was fleeing for his life and he still chose to speak up, but he did it in a way that was humble and honest and truthful. He said, you're hurting me, Saul. But you are the Lord's anointed and I will not lay a hand on you. If we could have that kind of courage, man, maybe it wouldn't be so discouraging when we go out and share about the gospel, maybe it could be uplifting. So I want to close with just a quick story, personal story. And when I was a sophomore or freshman at UCLA, I remember high school was rough for me. And I spent a lot of time just fearful about my faith, insecure about whether or not I could speak up and share about it. Really bad at loving my enemies. I was very spiteful. Um, and I definitely did not surround myself with people that were godly helping me, but I remember this one incident which really changed my paradigm, and I had spent sixth grade through uh, senior year in high school building a good friends group, and all of our friends were at different colleges at this point when I was at UCLA, but I remember there was this one, one friend of mine named Julian, and Julian was such a great, down-to-earth, awesome, awesome friend, and I spent pretty much two to three times a week hanging out with him from sixth grade to my senior year in high school. And I remember in eighth grade, I became a Christian and that was life-changing and helpful, but I was so afraid to share with my friends about God, especially the ones I had, I had met before I became a Christian because they saw me do some things that I was so just just ashamed about. So I felt like, how could they ever believe me or how could they ever listen to me? So what I did was I just was silent. <laughs> I was silent like for years and i remember my freshman year at ucla thinking i get a new start new beginning i don't have to deal with all the people and the baggage new people and i was so excited uh to send a start implanting my identity with god but i remember getting a call from one of my friends and he said did you hear what happened to julian i was like no what happened and he told me that julian uh, I think he he's at a university in Miami at the time, but Julian had um, walked up on top of this dorm, in the roof of his dorm, jumped off, and he committed suicide. And I remember my freshman year just having all the rush of emotions hit me and just thinking, oh my gosh, I spent... I don't know, Monday through Friday at school and sometimes on the weekend hanging out with this guy from sixth grade to my senior year in high school. And I was so afraid of imposing my beliefs on Julian that I didn't tell him anything about my walk with God. I didn't share anything about the truth that which I believed in. I remember that day I made a decision that I would never be fearful again. Regardless of how tough or difficult life became, I would never be fearful again. And lately in my walk with God, I've been fearful. 2020 was a scary year. But I take some solace with this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer which we'll close here. He says, Cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church. We are fighting today for costly grace. In such a church, the world finds a cheap covering for its sin. No contrition is required, still less any real desire to be delivered from sin. Cheap grace means the justification of sin without the justification of the sinner. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. Amazing. Amazing, amazing admonition here from a man who gave his life to God. And I want to implore you and I want to call you out. I want to encourage you. Let's start off 2021 by not cheapening the grace that God has given us. If you've decided to be a Christian and place your life in Him, it costs Jesus everything. And we know that when something's cheap, we don't take care of it that much. We could just buy another one later, right? But when something is costly, when we see its value, we protect it, we nurture it, we focus on it, we take care of it. We want others to see it. John 14, verse 6 says, I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Brothers and sisters, those visiting with us for the first time, I call us to move forward. And it's 2021, and 2020 was a rough time, and I know we can get stuck in the past, but I call you to move forward. Students, we had the pandemic, and maybe you had a couple weeks off of school, but you're still going to school. Adults, you had a couple weeks off of work, it was kind of weird, it was nice, but you still got to work. We need to find a way to still be faithful, to still pursue Christ, no matter the circumstances. Because we're called to move forward in our faith and in our trust in God and in our mission as ambassadors of Christ. Do we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? If we can focus on that, this will change our 2021. And lastly, Normally I have action steps. I'm sorry. I decided to embed them within the overall structure. Pursue godly people, love your enemies, speak up. However, I did want to leave you with a song and I'm going to put in the chat. And I want you to take some time to meditate on the lyrics throughout the week and start making some decisions. And I want you to commit to helping One person this year understand the costly grace of God giving His Son for humankind. Just one person. This year, commit to helping one person. Whether it's in in a Bible study or maybe you grab some other Christians with you and you both are in Bible studies where you're trying to help someone who, who has admitted that they don't know Him that way. They don't know Him like that. They don't understand how costly that grace was. And share, share what you know with them. I guarantee you, if you feel stuck, you feel discouraged, you feel like 2020 is still dragging you down, this will help you move forward in your relationship with God. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and like this message. Have an amazing Sunday, and welcome to 2021. You've just listened to the Westside Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.